Welcome to the podcast dedicated to helping you plan for your exit. Today, I've got with me three special guests because we're going to have a bit of a panel conversation and explore all things exit planning around timing. I've got Guy Skinner from Citygate Consulting. Guy's an expert in personal financial planning and working with business owners and their companies to prepare pre and post exit. Welcome, Guy. Good morning, Daryl. Thanks for joining us. I've also got Jeremy LaBoff with us today. Jeremy learned everything he knows down the pub. His background is as an entrepreneur and business owner before developing and, and applying his skills and talents as, talents as an accountant uh, with various expertise of understanding uh, business owners. Welcome, Jeremy. Good morning. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks for joining us. And I've got my business partner, Christine Nicholson. Christine has got the widest and most varied career I've ever come across in my life. She's, to last count, I think, worked with business owners on 50 plus exits, um, has got a finance director background, has got a bit of law, has a bit of other things as well. Thanks for joining us today, Christine. Morning. Great. Well, today we're going to talk about when's the best time to start planning your exit. We come across, all of us in our various walks of life, come across egg business owners um, preparing for exit, getting to exit, or have already done a deal. And then once they've done the deal, they they talk to their advisors. And I get feedback and uh, uh, from all sorts of business advisors saying, I wish I'd known earlier, and then I could have had more impact and helped the client more. So Guy, when is the best time to start planning? Well, as we always say to to clients, start with the end in mind. Um, But I think most business owners won't necessarily start a a company with a eureka moment and it be a sudden spark and flash of inspiration. They're generally going to think about what do I want? Why will I do this, that or the other? And have in mind some sort of figure that they would like to exit the company with or an amount of wealth that they would like. Um, But whether or not they formalise that and to what extent they really put it down on paper and think about how they will get from A to B, is a different matter entirely. Okay. Jeremy, where does that fit with you from a tax planning and uh, perspective? Well, there's two sides to it to, for, for, from, from where I'm sitting, is there's that, that journey of um, financially planning in terms of guys got that, that you know, where we need to get to, but projecting what is my business going to look like? Um, so the financial modelling and the stages to go through that. And also making sure that you have got the right tax planning in place. Um, it's There's too many occasions where we get told after a deal has been done or a um, decision has been made that um, this is what's happened. And then we're like, well, actually, you've, you've missed out on some very key part, points of your, your tax planning. Um, it was only only recently that the the change of entrepreneurs relief um caught out some people and that meant that um that some people that thought they were going to get 10% tax charge got 20% tax charge on their on their gains and it, knowing and planning in advance um is key because actually it's all great but if you suddenly realize you're going to be hit one way or another um, because of tax charges, then then you're kind of being self-defeating. So, yeah, that has to be part of the upfront questioning. There's the legal side and then there's also the tax side of it. So, Jeremy, should we be using tax to help form our strategy, our business strategy, or should we be thinking of you know designing the best strategy and, and then uh, fitting in the tax planning around that? What comes Personally, first? I- 
personally, I'm not a I'm not in favour of letting the tax tail wag the dog. Um, I think that people who who are going down that route can sometimes get too clever for their own good, um, and you'll end up tripping yourself up over something that's tax related when actually you're losing con- losing sight of the fact that you've got a business to develop and grow and add value to. It's part of the due diligence process um, in terms of it's your own personal due diligence. You need to make sure that you've got that tax planning in place, whether it's a question of getting the right structure at the beginning and then moving whether it's a question of looking at ownership and what that looks like or what the tax breaks are or incentives or whatever else of doing one decision or another that has to be part of it. But the strategy is wealth accumulation, getting your business to a place where it's going to be worth something to somebody and the tax needs to go alongside it. So for me, strategy with careful tax planning as part of the strategy, not the other way around. I'm going to remember that one. We don't want the tax tail wagging the dog. Definitely That's a good not. way to remember it. So, Christine, we've got the tax considerations. We've got the personal financial planning under control. What else do we need to consider um, well in advance of planning our exit? I think for me, the biggest experience is not is seeing business owners who actually don't know what the process is going to be, the sale process. So they they think that they can put their business up for sale and uh, or they can announce that the business is for sale and that within six months business will be sold. You know, you can find a buyer, go through the due diligence process and then uh, transfer the ownership. And and actually, it's incredibly rare that that happens. It, It could be that you get approached, but if you haven't already done your planning, then and you don't know what your business is worth right now when you get approached with a what looks like a decent figure you actually have no idea whether it is a good figure or not it, it's a good figure for the buyer um but as the seller it, you could actually be leaving lots of money on the table so um for me it's the the best time to start planning is right now because then you know what the process is going to be. You know what all the component parts are going to be. You know what's going to trip you up. And then you know how you can prepare. And in the preparation process, you know, depending on your timeline, what you want to put effort into to make your business worth more. And it, and it could be you don't want to do anything and you leave value on the table for the next person who owns the business to come and develop that value because one of the things that I am very aware of is a business owner can actually sit in their business owning their business hoping for the day when it's going to be worth 10 million when actually if they sold their business for half a million today they would get everything that they needed for their retirement and their life would just be so much better so it's and it sounds like an extreme in half million, but I've seen people holding out for a ridiculous number like Guy just alluded to, when actually if they took that money now, they would have the happiest retirement that they they could have and they could have it right now. Surely money's not the only driver for business owners when they're when they're moving forward, guys. What what else do we see driving business owners 
we're, we're hearing that they need to plan, they need to be, that puts them on the front foot so the, the um, buyer is not going to take advantage of them. We don't want them to you know, miss the opportunity of getting the most from their life's work after they've spent so many years and effort in building this business. We often hear that um, you know, business, you know, business is my baby from, from business owners. What else? What are the other considerations? Money, the outcome, what I get for all of this, but but what else do you see business owners, you know, the driving forces to motivate them? I think um, having a business makes people feel important as well. And I think, you know, there's a very much a tendency that once that's gone, if they've sold it, then then what's their purpose? Um, you can be sat with seven figures in the bank, but actually what you're going to do between nine till five when you used to have something to do. And some people might actually use it as an excuse not to be proactive because it just means that they're caught up being busy and and actually having that importance of I'm the owner of the company, I'm the founder of this place and people look up to me, they respect me, uh, I I employ people, I contribute to HMRC and this, that and the other. Um, And it's a bit of a a weird psychology, but I'm I'm sure that it exists. And I've clients that have sold their business that almost wish they hadn't because it's you know one guy I'm thinking of in particular was the third iteration of the sale um, and he just repeated the idea on a, on a couple of times and the final time he, he really didn't want to sell it because he wouldn't have anything to do with his time and he'd already got a load of money and what was the point um, so that definitely exists but uh, it shouldn't deter people from planning which is what we're talking about and it shouldn't deter them from being ready for exit whether or not they choose to take that as a, as a separate matter altogether that that's a really critical point i think guys um getting your business ready for exit just gives you more choices you're now informed um, one of the biggest blockages to sale which i think you're referring to is that business owners need to know what they're going to go on to next what's life after this business for me because i get a hell of a lot of self-worth satisfaction fulfillment from running and driving the business yes i'm I'm contributing to society, I'm, I'm having an impact, I'm helping a whole lot of other families, but we can't underestimate the, the feeling of satisfaction, drive, you know, what are the drivers for the people? So we need to know, help them find what's next for them so that they can, they can move forward. So, okay, so <clears throat> we wanna get them out of, the, out of their own way as, as blockers. Jeremy, what's your experience in, in business owners preparing, um, you know, Tax, money, cash in the bank is 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 some of the, the the motivators for exit. What else do you see? Well, the the other things that they need that they often want to think about in terms of planning, and it's something that is often key at the beginning, um, and that can sometimes be filtered out a little bit as they go along the process. Is actually what they're leaving behind. So they themselves know what they want to go on and do. But there's that question of legacy um, and making sure that actually something that's got perhaps their name on it is still going to be what they consider to be their baby even after they walk out the door. Um, and also perhaps um, looking out for the staff because a lot of them, you know, if they have built up a business like this entrepreneurially, they are looking out for the staff that they're leaving behind. So there's, there's a whole load of culture considerations that go into that in terms of the right fit for a sale which I'm not going to get into but from a tax perspective they can often be looking at some sort of situation whereby the staff get something out of that Um, and it may be that planning ahead literally I'm talking about years planning ahead they'll put in place some sort of employee incentive 
some sort of share scheme um, that has got that, that is that is that works through the right way that is tax efficient for the business, which allows the owners to do something that is right for their team and is not going to be expensive to them, um, and also um, provides the right motivation for people moving forward. So that's a key part of it from from a tax planning perspective, and that needs to be something that's done well in advance. And it's not an uncommon thing. If you've got there are a lot of very very good and emotional employers who want to make sure the people they leave behind are left feeling good about it if that makes sense so totally so christine any insights on that like we're talking about now we're, we're moving into the different types of structures we're now suggesting that hey look employee ownership is is something that could be be uh, explored we've got the different tax advantages so the different revenues cash flows and what it means in the bank for the the business owners afterwards well, what about employee ownership? Is that a yeah? How, what difference does that make? Okay, well, I actually want to talk about something a bit different to employee ownership because Jeremy makes some really good points about employee ownership, and there's a lot of planning to go into that. But before you um, start thinking about that, you also need to think about what else you might be leaving behind if you don't leave your business in planned circumstances. So the, the real importance about planning is, yes, it's about the legacy. It's about having a better business that's worth more. But the what happens if something unexpected happens? If you haven't done any planning at all, you're going to leave a real mess behind. You're going to leave family behind that's struggling to cope without you, whether that's because you've died or you've become disabled or or um, incapacitated in some way, um, you, they're coping with now having to think about a business to run as well as the loss that they're experiencing both in income and, and the emotional attachment to you. And equally, your employees will be suffering from that loss too. Now, bringing in the planning of, of um, mm -hmm. actually making yourself technically redundant in your business as the first thing that makes your business worth more it'll make your business more enjoyable for you and making yourself technically redundant so that you're only working strategically means that your staff are now engaged so that really links into the employee ownership side of things because engaging your employees is a whole lot easier if there is something uh, there's a reward for them at the end that's just more than money because if you think about your need to be the business owner and how proud you feel about what you're achieving wouldn't it be really nice if your employees had that ownership mindset and getting to ownership mindset is you know employee ownership is part of it um, and it, it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, you don't say, well, I'm going to get an ownership mindset. It take, takes time to build that in. But as you're easing yourself out of the day to day, but still critical to the strategy of the business and you bring in elevating your employees up in the way that they engage with the business. Business is worth more. The employees have got particularly if you're going down the employee ownership plan, the employees are much more engaged. They become more efficient and more effective there's usually a bump about 17 percent on average in profitability uh, of um, uh, businesses that, that go through the employee ownership route and it starts pretty immediately 
so um, it has an immediate impact on on um, uh, on on the value of the business. But equally, it means that it should the unexpected happen to you or any of the members of your senior management team, your business is is not wholly affected by it. And that that's that's the real reason why we need to do planning. So what we're hearing is a big part of planning your exit for your business is planning the unplanned exit for your business. <clears throat> what should happen if if I exit unexpectedly? What happens to the ownership of the business? What happens to the the spouses, the families? So there's a big area that we uh, we, we we uncover. Guy, is this something that you cater for in in your planning side of things with owners? Yeah, 100%. You that really resonated with me, and I, I feel slightly. Uh, jealous and embarrassed that it wasn't me that raised the topic but um, death and illness is something that I speak about on a daily basis um, I try not to be too depressing about it but yeah the, the reality is that um, but people die and they die of a young age so you know we can transfer some of that risk in terms of the financial aspects of it and and money for for the for the, the, the period of time afterwards while there's the period of recovering and um, people coming to terms with the fact that somebody's passed away and, and we do that through shareholder protection, key person insurance, relevant life insurance, those sort of things um, to help the families and, and the company survive a period of um, upheaval, essentially. Uh, but granted, as, as Christine's referring to, there's a whole host of other things that go go with that. What are the what are the bank account details? What are the passwords? And that's that's just that's just scraping the surface because there's a lot lot more in terms of important legal documents. What does the shareholders agreement say? All sorts of stuff has to be to be dealt with, um, and it, it's it's important to have an inventory of these are all the important documents that you need. Where will you find them, um, and how can you make sense of them? So, I mean, in my business, I have to have a locum, um, and we have to have locum agreements so somebody can literally fill my shoes the very next day. Um, I wonder how many people have that within their businesses in different walks of, of life altogether. Um, that's a stipulation of my trading set set upon me by by the regulator, which is great, but it forces you to think about those things. Um, and and that's just that's just one aspect. Who's going to do the day to day? Um, there's so much more. And 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 when you think about it, who would really actually want to put their hand up and say they would want to leave a great big mess for their family? It's only going to tarnish their memories of you. So. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a mess for your family and it's also a mess for your, your business partners and, and the business as to who's going to look after that, who's going to run it, what, what, what is left behind. Jeremy, is that something that uh, you, you see uh, in, in the work clients you work with? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the, there's, there's a number of different things here. First of all, you know, the importance of having a business that can move on without you is first of all fundamental to the idea of planning for your exit in planned circumstances because being able to do that to be able to walk away and the business continues the same as it did the day before um, is going to have value to a potential purchaser and in many ways it's even more important in this situation of an unplanned exit the principle is the same but it becomes more stark and more obvious and that's when it starts to come into various accounting issues um, and also legal issues so it 
know, we've already touched upon where is the documentation? Where have you got everything ready so that someone can pick up and run with it? And our and our profession, like with Guy, we have to have people who are able to um, pick up and run with us. I'm in a multi-partner partnership, so that's easy. But sole practitioners have to have that backup. But many entrepreneurs will not have that system in place. So simple things, a very simple thing is a business that only has one um, one um, um the officer a director in that way if that director is suddenly incapacitated everything can stop because there's no one that can talk to the bank there's no one that can do anything so simple things like we recommend to our clients they need to have more than one officer you know that's a simple thing um so that actually god forbid anything happens that can be picked up straight away and there's somebody else who can at least appoint a new director um if they're already a director then great stuff having these things tied into shareholder or partnership agreements is also key because you don't want a situation whereby john and mary have been running their business successfully and when john or mary pops their clogs their spouse because they're not married to each other in this particular case all of a sudden owns 50 percent of a business that the other person knows nothing about so now you've got a business supporting john who's doing all the work and mary's spouse who does none of the work but owns 50 percent of the business and so those types of things need to be put in place and things like what guy would be able to to, to ensure is that you've got a policy that pays out so that the so that people can the business can move on and survive and the people that are left behind by the family are protected financially and the eight people are happy without that you know these these horrible things can happen and so that side of it from a planning perspective is key and we see that as part of the financial side of it the other side of it as i alluded to is just having systems um and i know that's a whole other topic and i and i, and I can do that on a, on a different different discussion point but having systems in place so that the business can move forward is key in both a planned and an unplanned exit um because one protects value the other adds value um so you know it, that's why it's crucial brilliant so guy alluded to he started to touch on hey look you know we, we need some sort of portfolio or file of all these things and pieces of information that we should be gathering that for such a situation as a, a bit of an insurance policy and what i i think he alluded to also was the fact that uh, perhaps we need some other professionals involved we need the, the personal financial planning the wealth management side of things we need the business planning succession planning exit planning gurus we need the tax and financial planning who else do we need in in you know to contribute to to putting together such a document well i, I would for sure include a, a lawyer within that because yeah, uh, we should be drafting wills. We should be looking at lasting power of attorneys as well, um, yeah. and we should be having cross-option agreements so that actually we can make any shareholder payments inheritance tax efficiently as well. Um, and I often find actually that the cross-option agreements are missing where people have done the shareholder insurances. So it sounds like a, a technical point, but it's really quite straightforward. I'm not mm. going to explain it now, but it's really not that difficult. It's just something that I, I often see missed. Um, and it's because people don't engage necessarily with a legal professional or with a financial advisor even, and they've, they've, they've taken a step to take insurance, which is phenomenal because not many people do that. Um, but they've, they've just not, they've not gone that extra mile and actually done the job job properly. Um, and it's those little mistakes that the, the, the cost of that is far greater than people ever really appreciate. To pay 40% on that value that's, that's being passed on to your, your uh, beneficiaries is massive. Yeah. 
And I've often heard Christine talk about getting lawyers involved for things like shareholder agreements, um, which define the business structures as well. Um, anything to add around that, Christine? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I completely violently agree with what Guy was saying. And, and often the reason why people don't uh, do these things, even though they are really simple and relatively cheap, it is because they actually don't know the right question to ask. And um, sadly, as I mean, we're pretty forward thinking professionals, but um, sadly, a lot of people in these professional fields don't help the business owner ask the right questions. They don't make it accessible. So actually making things more accessible is, is really key. It's almost like our professional duties is to recognize that we've got a, a business owner who's actually a human being and there is a business and that uh, the identity of these two things are actually really wrapped together and we've got to deal with with human beings who can be afraid of asking the wrong question or, or racking up charges etc and they're also protecting their business um, so there's stuff that we can advise them from a business perspective and then we actually need to treat them like human beings and it's about helping them understand what all the steps in the process are and therefore what what it is that they need along the way that makes their life easier so that they're making educated choices but sadly there's you know both accounting in in financial planning in the legal field in general consulting there's if we make this a bit smoke and mirrors it'll make it look more complicated and harder and therefore you'll pay me a bigger fee and, and actually it, it's really about paying the right fee to the right people to to answer the right question that gives you the best outcome and that really comes back to when should we start planning well we need to plan right now how do we start planning we begin with the end in mind and we have to explore those different ends a planned exit or what if the unexpected happens and we don't need to boil the ocean with all the different choices that, that uh, things that might happen to us along the way but at least if we look at those two extremes of the ideal situation is i'm going to get my business into shape so that i can sail off into the sunset knowing that i've left people with jobs adding value to the economy, feeling really proud of the value that I've added, as well as enjoying the rewards for all that value. But equally, there's a 60% chance that I'm either going to die or get a disease that's going to incapacitate me or actually become incapacitated, permanently disabled. So given that there's a quite high chance of that happening, why don't I do some preparation for that just in case? Okay. So we've we've perhaps sucked the life out of the conversation now with with all of the thoughts and considerations that go into planning for an unplanned exit. So we need to we need to address those topics. They're critical because of the I think guy I like guy's description the mess we're going to leave behind. We don't want to leave that mess behind for our, for our families and for our business owners. So given the topic for the, the conversation today was when should I start planning? And I think you guys all jumped down my neck uh, unanimously. You really got to begin with the end in mind, Daryl. You've got to start planning from day one. But for those business owners who haven't been planning from day one, they're, they're getting to the end. They've been 
business for 10, 20, 30 years, and they're getting to that point where they're starting to say, hey, look, I'm actually thinking I might want to sell my business or get out of my business one way or another. And some of them are, are going, hey, look, I, I might want to do that next year. What's your advice to them? If they've got a bit of a runway left, how what's how long do they really need to start planning their exit You know, if they've left everything to the last minute? What do you advise, Jeremy? Um, how long? The answer is as long as they've got available. Um, but what they should be doing is uh, is today is is the right day to do it. Um, and they need to be sitting down with somebody um, like a professional. I would say have a conversation with Guy or with Christine or, or with me and, and and establishing what is that number? What is it they need and when do they want it? That boiled it down is going to be the target. Um, and from there, we can then start putting in place the plans that needed to get to that. So how long do they need? The truth is, the longer you've got to plan it, the better, um, because you can put in place um, the right structures. You can then look to be able to, to build value over a reasonable period of time that's then going to demonstrate the validity of that value. Because if you've done something that only turns up in six months, it's not going to be quite as uh, as convincing as to showing five or six years worth of solid figures to somebody. That the, uh, you mm -hmm. don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, so the answers to your question is as much time as they've got, um, but start today. Yep. <clears throat> Brilliant. Christine, from your yeah. perspective, exit planning, how long do you really need to make an impact on, you know, we haven't even touched on valuations of business. How long do you need to uh, help make an impact? I completely agree with with uh, Jeremy. Uh, I mean, I, I've been through exits that have been really, really short um, and and chaotic, and money has been left on the table as a result. So, so actually, you know, your planning journey can start whenever you want it to. But maybe the other question, maybe the the better question is, if you're procrastinating, is how much do you want to leave on the table? Because the longer you leave it, the more you're leaving on. The, typically, you're going to leave more on the table. Every now and again, someone will get lucky because a lot of uh, selling a business is really about timing. But isn't it better to be in your timing than everyone else than anybody else's? Isn't it better for you to be in control? Um, but um, yeah, start now. And if you can't start today, then start tomorrow. But don't be like um, a recent conversation that we shared, which was I'm th I'm I'm 20 years into a three year plan. Uh, yeah, um, that made me laugh. So, Guy, you're working with the business owners. They've got this magic number uh, of how much they'd like to have uh, at retirement. Um, you know, how often do they come to you and say, hey, look, my business is my pension. How do you help me plan? What, what do you do in that situation? Um, I, I think I've probably heard that phrase with every business owner I've ever spoken to. So, um, and, and, and equally, the reality that often goes with that is that the pension that they have, the real pension is very seldom there. And if it is, it's tiny. Um, and it's because it was forced upon them at some point in time when they're an employee back in the day or uh, auto enrollment now that we've got that. Um, but, but yeah, the, I mean, for me, one of the key things we always look at with clients is how do we extract the profits from the company? And how do we do that as tax efficiently as possible? And ultimately, a pension is the most tax efficient way that you can draw the money out of the company because it comes out pre-corporation tax. So even when we talk about entrepreneurs relief, which is great, you've still got to pay 10% tax. 
and you've still paid 19% currently corporation tax. So a pension's always going to trump that, but people just don't often think about it. And now we've got annual allowances and lifetime allowances and all those sorts of things. The, as, as Christine and Jeremy have both already said, it's, it's about how much do you want to leave on the table? It's about the opportunity cost. You know, I see a lot of companies that have got far more money than they need in the bank. And it's because they might be prudent. It's because they might be looking for an opportunity to acquire somebody. But very often, I just find it's because they are they are being prudent. They're risk averse. But what are they missing out on? They're missing out on stock markets rising. They're missing out on um, reducing the amount of tax that they'll pay on taking that money out of the company. Um, and if they'd started with a plan in mind and they'd said, well, hey, this is my number. What we will do is we'll just make sure they get to that number, but paying as little tax as possible. Um, and 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 not even just uh, at that point in time also after they've sold you know we've, we've got to think about tax considerations then so if we were we've already spoken about death but let's say you've sold your company and you've got a big pension pot and you die pre-75 it's outside of your estate for inheritance tax planning so it, you know that's better than having a load of money sat in the bank because that's going to be subject to inheritance tax so there's, a, there's an even bigger picture beyond the sale of the business as well so um, it's really difficult to say when should you do it other than now, because that is just the most obvious thing to say. And, and having the longest runway possible is great because we, we want to maximize the value that we can get. Who doesn't? I mean, who in their right mind would say that they don't want to? Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of different things. And, you know, people will miss out on entrepreneurs relief, as Jeremy said earlier, and people will, you know, without realizing, miss out on business property relief. Or their estate would do. Um, so it's these simple things that we can identify and make people aware of, um, and, and that's how we'll add value to them. And, and you know, um, now is definitely the time. Yeah. So we what we're hearing is that, that the sooner you start, the better, because you can take advantage of all of the, the 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 savings opportunities, if you like, by investing in a pension. You don't have all your eggs in the one basket. Um, there's additional tax benefits by, if I call it drip feeding every year. Um, what I think I've also heard is that uh, people are calmer when they've got, you know, they know that all their financial affairs are sorted and that they are financially free. And so therefore they're working for the choice. Um, they need to work. Jeremy identified that, hey, look, the, the longer runway of financial records and history you've got, you know, the more information you've got to be prepared and on the front foot to, let's say, keep buyers in their place. Uh, not that Jeremy used those words, but you're not going to get bullied around because you know exactly where you stand. You know what the, the, the valuation points are in your business. Uh, and Christine alluded to all of the other, the, the I guess, the employee the, the running the business, just having the business in control and, and the business owners knowing exactly what's going to happen and you've got systems and, and processes in place and you're redundant in your business so that you're getting your own career progression as a business owner uh, moving through the business because you've got those various structures in place. The things that I feel where we're, we're light on is that we, we really need um, some uh, legal expertise adding to this conversation, to this mix. Um, and that would really scope um, what Guy alluded to is having this portfolio of key important information all in one place. So that's something to explore in a future episode. We 
skimmed over employee ownership and perhaps there's a topic there for a whole whole conversation i think which uh yeah we can talk about uh so i think guys great first conversation um is there anything that anyone feels that they they really need to add um that that they've been itching to get out and share about uh when when business owners really need to start planning their exit final points or summary points I think uh, I'm sure we could go on forever, but equally, um, I think that the, the most of the salient points uh, I think you, you've drawn out of us today, Daryl. Thank you. Brilliant. And look, it, it's you've made my job easy because I've got three people here really. I think and it came out with the emotion and energy about sharing the points that yeah, you guys are all experts. You've got a whole bucket load of experience in this area in working with people so you can really help. Uh, we'll include all your contact details uh, in, in the post and on the podcast. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for your energy, your passion, your commitment. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.